Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We did it. We tracked down Todd Pollock, a.k.a. I the Storm 99. I've been a huge fan of his work for a really long time. And if you're unfamiliar, please do yourself a favor. Hit pause, open up your Instagram app or hit your web browser and look up at I the Storm 99. He does an amazing job. I absolutely love his work. When I look at his photos, it's like like his crazy weird snapshot of actual time, if that makes sense. Like when I look at his photos, I feel like I'm actually there at the show. It's insane. I, I just love what he does, and it's like magic to me. So I was really excited to finally have him on the podcast exactly a year ago. Sound and Fury, right after One Step Closer set, I saw him leaving the intimate room and I just had to go introduce myself. I let him know that he's my favorite photographer and I think he's the best photographer. And it was really awesome to finally get to talk to him in person. He was really nice and he was down to come on the podcast, which is so amazing to me. It still blows my mind that these people that I admire, look up to, I'm a fan of, are down to do this. So this was a really special one for me. Todd is an awesome guy. He's been around for a really long time, so it was cool to pick his brain and hear about his time in hardcore. So please, I urge you, if you aren't familiar, go check out his work. He's awesome, great guy. His photos are, seriously, his photos are amazing, and I love them. So please, go check him out, support everything that he does. And I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in every week. It definitely means a lot to me, so I always want to thank you and remind you guys that I care. So seriously, thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did, because honestly, I had a great time talking to Todd on air and off. He's an awesome dude. It was really fun. So please strap in and enjoy this. Without further ado, welcome Todd Pollock to the podcast. All right, and we're live. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Nice to be here. Dude, this In is cyberspace. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the listeners can't really see, but we're on Zoom right now, and you have one of those uh, virtual backgrounds going, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but I think back to the first time I remember seeing your work. Your, um, in my opinion. Uh, like w- the best photographer um, w- when it comes to uh, you know our world when it comes to like the hardcore scene when, when I look at every other photographer out there I just love your work over everybody else's and I've, I've told you that before but I think like the earliest like memory I have of um, your work was there was this uh, famous photos on um, Sound and Fury 2007 uh, a half mm-hmm. heart um, you're you're like positioned um, on stage and like you know pat flynn's just in the center and like there's just like you know you just see the crowd and there's like you know like one guy like you know head walking it's just like this crazy shot and, and like i remember thinking back then i was like holy shit like who took this photo and i had to like you know research and i found out it was you and i've just been a fan ever since thanks man i appreciate it yeah so i'm uh just really curious about how you got into hardcore and how you ended up you know being this awesome photographer Okay. Um, well, I first was into 
hair metal. And then I went phased over to grunge. Um, and I went to high school with Steve Brodsky and Adam McGrath. You might know them from Caven. Okay. So basically I went to their high school together. We're in the same class and then they started Caven. So that's kind of how I got introduced to hardcore is through those two guys. Mm-hmm. And what year was that around? Uh, 1994. Oh, that's awesome. That, that, that sounds like ages ago. That was like well before my time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you never know when you're going to do something that's going to change your life and kind of alter you in a different direction. And that's just what happened. And, um, can you talk about like, um, like where you grew up and like, um, what area you're from? Um, from the Merrimack Valley, Methuen, Mass. Okay. And so. uh, do you remember your first time ever, like, you know, picking up a camera and, and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to a hardcore show and uh, take photos. So how, how I got into taking photographs is um, I really wasn't like, you know, quote unquote, a mosher uh-huh. or, you know, or anything like that. So this, when I started to bring a camera to show, it's just because I was like, enamored with the whole experience and i wanted to find some way to contribute and document these things that i was going to because i wasn't really into you know aggressive dancing so this is really kind of how i found my meaningful contribution contribution to to what i enjoyed uh, okay yeah i i think it's awesome because you you've been at it for for a really long time and i i know uh you've fronted a band and but that was like back around was that 2014 if I remember correctly or yeah 2012 to 2014 okay can you talk about like what what that experience was like um you know you kind of um, you know going from uh being involved in the hardcore scene you know going to shows uh being the photographer but then now you're actually on stage but you're not taking pictures you're actually fronting a band um, yeah, no, that was an interesting experience. I mean, it's something I've kind of always wanted to do. Um, it just took me a while to find the right group of people to kind of do it with. Um, again, if anybody complains about photographers, I, I will tell you as a person who fronted a band as well as being a photographer, that stuff is almost, when you're out there, I, I almost don't even know that anybody is taking pictures or not. I mean, it's really, to me, it's so secondary to my thought process when I'm out there than, than it people make it out to be. Yeah. I, I've been in uh, two different hardcore bands. They were like small, like back in the day. And whenever I would get on stage, I, I felt like it was always just like a uh, tunnel vision. Like um, I, I remember, yeah. uh, you know, right before the set start and then it, as soon as you know things like you know the, the first note on the guitar would hit, I would just forget everything. Like I, it would just went by so fast. And especially back then, like I, I used to have stage fright. I could not speak in front of like big crowds. But I feel like doing bands like kind of helped me get over that. But it was always like yeah, just straight tunnel vision. Like I would just remember the beginning and then right when it ended because it was just like always just like such a big deal for me to get up there and actually like you know perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I definitely understand what you're talking about when I'm, you don't realize that like the photographers are up there with you. Yeah, I mean, it's really secondary. I consider it all part of the entire environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
I, I feel like sometimes uh, people have that conversation. Uh, sometimes there's like too many photographers. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, there are some times where it does get a little out of control. I've definitely had some moments where I'm like, geez, there's like uh, 20 people here. And like, I'm not talking about a big show either. I'm talking like a small show, mm -hmm. you know, 300 people or something. And, and I'm just like, there's a, a little too many here. But, you know, we often tread that line of like, uh, you know, people's personal freedom what's what's really acceptable and i guess that's i guess that's something and it, that is kind of open-ended you know because you want to go to this place where you say there's no rules but then you're like well here's this rule you know what i mean so it's we're, it's a really hard conversation for a lot of people to have because of that you know it's like well you can do whatever you want but nope, not this thing you know what i mean and when when we start putting limits on those things do we alienate people because of that like um, I would never want to alienate, you know, I wouldn't alienate somebody who, you, you know, just say you, cause when I first started, all I have is this little $20 point and shoot camera, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to alienate and be like, Oh, well you don't have good enough stuff. So you can't be here. You know? So where do you draw that line between who gets to be there and who doesn't? And it's, it's something where in a scene where there's really no, ruler or master i mean how do you how do you regulate that you know without treading on somebody else's uh what they enjoy to do there you know yeah no it's always something that i wouldn't even know how to deal with because i've never uh you know been in that position because i'm just you know typical show goer i'm never on stage especially when i'm like you know not there to you know take photos so I, I've, I've never been in that position um but but it's pretty interesting now because like i feel like it's so easy these days for for anybody to get kind of equipment because like you mentioned you started with a point and shoot but now we have smartphones that have really advanced cameras that yep. can take an amazing photos so it's just like yeah like um, i feel like uh, like the entry level um isn't like you know that hard anymore because like everybody has a cell phone so it's just like yeah like that, that that is a tough position to be in to kind of figure out you know how to um you know get everybody up there and try to give everybody time to take photos or you know try to figure out you know like you know position on stage there's not enough room for everybody because the stage can only hold so much like you know on top of all the equipment and all the band members yep so okay yeah that, that, that's pretty interesting uh, i was actually talking to somebody yesterday and um they're into photography and, and they were trying to uh like ask me for advice like like on how they should or how could they start taking photos at hardcore shows and i was like i have no idea like I, I know some of the photographers out here everybody seems nice so like i don't mm. I, I figured you would just kind of show up with a camera and figure it out from there and you know just go mingle with the, the the locals and get advice from them like if somebody were to come to you today and be like hey todd i'm really into you know taking photos i, I want to start doing them at shows like what advice would you give to somebody who's brand new i mean I would say exactly what you said, just, you know, you can bring it and take it, you, you know, just, uh, I think the issue that um, sometimes people run into is there's this sense of entitlement right off the bat. We're like, well, I'm new here, so I should be able to go wherever I want. And again, a lot of this, you got to feel out, you know what I mean? I, I started up by taking pictures of, my friends bands you know what i mean and then i worked into different stuff i didn't automatically i wasn't automatically like 
all right, and then Mad Ball's coming to town. I need to be on there. You know what I mean? I didn't have that sense of entitlement. I kind of worked my way around, um, get to know people. I mean, I guess the be- biggest piece of advice I can do is get get to know people. Get to know people who put on shows. Get to know people in bands. Um, and that, that'll ultimately help you um, get where you want to be and where you, you know, make it okay for you to take photos as opposed to just trying barreling your way in and saying, well, I have this. So now I have access here. So. Yeah. I, I feel like it has to be like, um, like pretty important for you to um, be involved with the community and have those relationships. Cause it, it, it would be a strange thing for somebody just to kind of show up that nobody knew. And um, they were trying to just kind of take up space and, you know, like kind of just like demanding to, you know, get on stage or, you know, be in certain angles, um, so yeah, the, that is pretty important to to have those relationships there beforehand, and you know have those things like naturally grow over time. Yeah, because I, I mean I've seen that I've seen that same thing where somebody just comes and I've like I've been around for a while, so I know a lot of the people. So when somebody new comes, I'm just like, and they're just right in everybody's way. I'm like, who is this person? You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the thing we need to kind of figure out. Really is. Again, if I could give anybody advice, it's that, you know, be aware of your surroundings. You know, maybe maybe you don't take pictures right at the bat or you only take pictures of one or two bands. So you, if you're new to the scene in general, you kind of have an idea of what's like where you should be and where you shouldn't be um, as to not annoy anybody. And uh, is there like a, a, a polite way to tell somebody who's like in everybody's way, like, hey, like not to be rude, but you're kind of, you know, ruining everybody's shots or like how, like how would that conversation go down? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to have that conversation. But again, a, a lot of us are so polite that we don't say anything. We just like roll our eyes and and maybe we do need to say something more often. But um, generally, I try and when I have the chance, take somebody aside and say, Hey, you know, just try and be more self-aware of where you are, mm-hmm. you know, and don't, don't go, you know, one foot away from somebody's face and flash a camera flash in their face. They're not going to, you're not, <laughs> they're not going to like it too much. Yeah. You totally ruin their vision. Um, yeah, th- this is a, a pretty off the wall question, but um, how tall are you? Cause I, I remember you being pretty tall. I'm six foot four. Okay. Yeah. So way taller than me. Yeah. Okay. So, so do you find that um you having that height advantage um you know gives you like um, like easier access to to get photos like like you could stand behind people and like it won't be that bad since you're so tall. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I actually, especially newer people, they're like, "Do you mind if I stand in front of you?" And I'm like, "Nope," because I know that I could get up and around them. So a lot of times I don't mind when somebody's in front of me because, again. A lot of these bands I've shot like 20, 30 times. So that I, I already have too many photos of them. I probably don't need as many photos of them anymore. But then again, I can shoot around them and it's not usually an issue. Okay. So you, you mentioned earlier that you started with the, the point and shoot. Um, when mm-hmm. did it get to a point where you're like, all right, cool. Like I want to take this, um, you know, to the next level. I, I want to upgrade my, my gear and get a little more serious about this. Like how long did it take you to, to get to that point? And when you got to that point, did you get like super like high end gear or did you kind of like, you know, just kind of gradually get better gear? I gradually got better gear and 
and it's funny it's it's always it was always like oh this got broken so now i'm getting a new thing or this thing got stolen so i'm getting a new thing only until like i was in my 30s did i start upgrading stuff on my own you know just because i was like ah, i want to have something a little better but before that it was always just like well this got broken time to buy a new camera this got stolen time to buy a new camera so that's really how uh how it evolved for me at least yeah and like uh just being curious about your equipment getting stolen is that like happening or did that like happen at shows or did it happen like you just like left something in your car or somebody broke in or oh uh, yeah it's not a i've never had anything stolen at a show which is awesome and mm. people are like how do you just leave because i leave my stuff all around all the time and uh people are like how do you not get anything stolen and they, it's a good trust with this uh hardcore community that nobody's ever stolen my stuff everything that has been stolen has been stolen outside okay. you know somebody breaking in my car or mm-hmm. whatnot Damn. so yeah I, that sucks that that happened but um i guess it's like you know i guess the upside is you got new equipment yeah okay that, that's awesome yeah and it, it, it's awesome that um, you know people have respect for your things at shows that nobody's ever just kind of you know like you know waited and kind of walked away with yourself so i i, I like that they um, have that respect and you know just leave your stuff alone yeah it's great okay so i i kind of want to just ask about the band it was uh you know you mentioned 2012 to 2014 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and you guys got to play this is hardcore and yep and I looked at that line because I, I was just like checking out the flyer the other day, and that was like such a crazy line. Because I, I remember when Bad Luck got announced, um, like, you know, like the whole internet was freaking out. You know, like half the people who knew about it or, or knew about the band was like, "Holy shit, this is insane!" And like the other kids who didn't, they're like, "People were like, all right, here, watch this. This is like, you know, what, what, like what's gonna go down." How, how did you feel when you guys found out that you were playing on the same day as them? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't care. I mean. We were playing, we were opened it up, so that was a long way away from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it certainly was an interesting experience because um, I don't know if you know too much about that, but um, half the band played This Is Hardcore and the other half of the band played Fluff Fest because we had a little scheduling conflict. Um, so half of us, it was basically me with our old um, guitarist. And uh, half of Caught in the Crowd. And then the other half of the band played um, in Fluff Fest in Europe. So we played simultaneously on that day. Wow. That's crazy. That So who, who fronted Fluff Fest? I, I, that, that's wild. I, I had no idea that that happened. Our guitarist fronted Fluff Fest. And then... The day after this is hardcore, I got on a flight and flew over to Europe, and we did two weeks in Europe. That's wild. That's cool. But at, at least you guys were able to make it work. And dang, you caught right after this is hardcore. Yep. <laughs> That's wild. But I, I, I think it's awesome that you guys were able to to, to play this is hardcore because I always look at that as like you know, like the biggest hardcore fest like in, in the states, and they always have like solid lineups. So it was something cool to look back and see you guys on, on that lineup. Yeah, no, it was great. And uh, I was looking through your Instagram, and you, you had like, I think it was that same year. You, you had like triple duty. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taking photos and uh, doing the band thing and just being me. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it, I, I thought it was funny that you got three different passes because now it was just, yeah. it, it, where they just like, oh, did, did they not know it was all you, or did they were like, or was it just like logistically they had to give you three passes? No, it's a, it's kind of like a running gag at this uh, hardcore. Uh, Sunny one year had like six passes, and they all had different names on them, but they're all Sunny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So okay, that's awesome. It's, who, it's whoever is creative at this is hardcore and wants to type out all the passes. So, okay. Speaking about this is hardcore. They, they announced dates like a couple of weeks ago and obviously we're still in the middle of this pandemic. Um, is that something you're still going to be attending? Uh, I'm still waiting to see what it turns out to be. I mean, I have I have no inside information as to what exactly it's going to be, but if there is something, I will definitely be there. Yeah. I can't remember who told me, but somebody hit me up. They're like, Oh, Hey, it's going to be like an outdoor festival. And I was like, I don't, I'm like, and like, I don't want to question the person, but I was just like, okay, this seems so like far off and like, so like, um, like it doesn't seem true, but I was like, so I didn't really want to like, you know, investigate too much, but I'm definitely curious too. Cause, um, obviously we've had FYA LDB and nothing else since, even though there's like, I'm normally, uh, there'd be like a bunch of fests in between. So to have those two fests happen and then nothing all the way till August when this is hardcore scheduled to happen. I'm just like really curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's hard to tell, you know, cause every time we think we got this under control, it flares back up again. So I don't know. Uh, I think, I think a lot of people have resided to that. There's going to be no more shows in 2020. Did you see on, on on Twitter floating around? There was a video of that underground show that happened in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw that yesterday, actually. Yeah, I, I thought that was crazy. I was like, like, I feel like I'd want to go just because it's so like, um, like rebellious and um, underground, and like you know, right now we're all supposed to be, um, you know, social distancing and that kind of stuff is not supposed to be happening. And I'm just like, kind of like, oh man, like I want to be like bad. I want to just go and check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't see anything wrong with that. Um, there might be a, a show coming up here that's kind of on the on that same tip of being kind of underground around in August. So okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say too much about it until it becomes a thing. But uh, okay, so- there there are, there there are rumblings of smaller kind of shows happening, kind of. Okay. And if the show in a more controlled population, <laughs> if the show in August in your area goes down, you're going to be there to document it. Oh, of course. Oh, that's awesome. That, that, that's so sick. Um, yeah. You know, I haven't heard of anything going on out here. I'm not sure if anybody would be willing to do it. Like, honestly, I was uh, in Long Beach yesterday. I was at a, 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 a protest and a punk band just kind of broke out out of, out of nowhere. Like, I didn't know that was going to happen. I was just kind of there, um, you know, um, listening to everybody speak and then um this band popped up there was like a like it was just a singer drummer bass player and they just started going off and i was like oh this is this is kind of weird because i haven't seen a band live and since like early march and i was like this is right. i was like this is this is crazy because like it obviously was like unexpected for me um because i got there late so it, it was definitely cool to see i was like man this is like 
I wish this was a band I like wanted to see, like I like you know like a band that I like enjoyed or, or knew. But I was like, damn, I I, I just got those feels. I was like, I can't wait to like actually go back to a show and see like you know awesome like hardcore bands live again. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, you know, because again, like I think I think hardcore at least probably will be on the, the forefront of that because again, there's much smaller thing. It's not like House of Blues or something like that. So. I think there's a lot lower risk um, with something smaller like that. So I have a feeling once you start seeing hardcore shows again, then the whole concert community might be going, you know, up to it. You know, it's going to be interesting because again, a lot of a lot of venues around here, again, are closing because they can't sustain this whole period with not having um, events. But again, basements are always uh, always going to survive, and little small places are always going to survive. So, and uh, do you remember the last show you went to before the whole um, quarantine situation went into effect? I did. Uh, I saw Wolf Whistle. It was on the the eve of them locking down everything. It was in um, came uh, Harvard Square. It was uh, Wolf Whistle and fucked and bound and a couple other bands i can't remember on top of my head but uh yeah that was the the last last show i saw was pat flynn <laughs> um so when you're at that show um did you know that night that that was going to be the last show for a while or did it just kind of you know you left the show like normal like not a big deal and then this whole thing just kind of rolled in and boom the shows were i gone. mean you got the sense of it um when we were there there was um definitely harvard was kicking everybody out of the dorms so we didn't know it was going to be right that next day Mm -hmm. but it was definitely um there was a couple other shows that were happening right after that that i wish had happened but um that's it it just kind of uh after that night it was shut down yeah it was really strange like the last show I, I went to was in LA, but that wasn't the last show that happened out here. Like um, the, the last show that I can remember was um, uh, the Acacia Strain and Rotting Out were on tour, and mm. and the venue closest to my house, Chain Reaction, um, they did this like weird thing where um, they split the the tickets, so th- they did two shows. So they they're like, all right, cool. Like people um, were either going to get the the two thirty show or the seven thirty show. And they were nice enough to like try to group friends together, but they, they literally cut the the capacity in half, and um, somehow the, the bands were down to do two shows in one day. Um, and I, I thought that was like pretty interesting because like I prefer an early show. That that's nice, you know, get out and still be able to maybe go around town do stuff. But um, they did that, but I it was sold out, and I didn't have a ticket, so I didn't go. But that was like the last thing to like actually like pop off here, and, and that was it. Yeah, and it. I wonder how that show was because it's kind of weird, right? Because ideally, you want a show to be packed for an, to maximize the fun of a hardcore show. Is usually when it's packed, right? Uh-huh. So if we start cutting it down, it's it's gonna look odd and <laughs> feel odd to everybody involved. Yeah, and I, I was like, like, I, I sorry to try to cut you off, but I, but I feel like also just having the 
the um the idea of like there's this virus that could be in this building somebody could have it i feel like that would just make the whole vibe just kind of strange so it's just like i don't even know if i would have gone yeah i know that's what i mean like again like there's there's a few event like uh my next door neighbor he is like the facilities guy for a pretty large venue mm-hmm. in in boston it's for um umass so it's it's a huge venue, but he was, they were even talking about like mapping it out so people could be there and still be, and still have a concert there. And it just seemed like the whole concept just seems odd. Could you imagine just being on stage and looking out and seeing everybody six feet apart from each other, like sitting in a chair? It would, I don't think uh, a band would put out their maximum output to uh, just see all these people separated. So I, I, until we get a vaccine or whatever we need to uh, move along with this virus, um, I think it, I think concerts will be the last thing you will see reopen ever. Okay, uh, weird thing. I um, got uh, you know invited by one of my friends to go to a, a, an actual concert, but it's um, in our car. I, I don't know if you've seen that happening. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Okay, yeah. So, the, like, I, I got invited. I'm like, wow, this sounds so weird. I have to go. Like, yeah. the the um by the 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 band, excuse me, the, the band we're seeing is called uh, Jack's Mannequin. I don't know if you're familiar. The dude. yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. yes. So we're going to go see Jack's Mannequin at this place called uh, the Grove um, out here in Anaheim. It's, it's like a bigger venue, but they share a, a parking lot with um, the Anaheim Angels, like the, the baseball team. So th- yep. they, they share a, a parking lot with the stadium. So I'm not sure what the setup's going to be like because they've had like rap festivals in that giant parking lot. There was like a bamboozle left a couple of years ago. But I got invited and I was like, wow, this is like really weird. And I don't know all the rules because like, like my vision is uh, we're going to go I'm going to have a pizza and I'm just going to just, you know, put my feet up and just chill in this car and watch Jack's mannequin. Um, <laughs> but I really don't know. Maybe it'll be a terrible experience, but like, I just have to go. Cause like, cause after this, nobody's going to want to have a, like a concert with people pulling up in their cars. That just sounds so ridiculous. So I'm like, this is just like a weird time that and like, this might not ever happen again. So I was like, I just have to experience it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that seems like it's going to be a really bizarre experience. It'll be fun <laughs> to yeah. actually recount that. Hey, remember this time I drove into a show just to watch it, and it'll be interesting because uh, I wonder how they're going to keep people in cars. I feel like it's going to devolve into people like sitting on top of their cars or having like a tailgating thing going on there. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how they keep that under control. Yeah, and, and I'm curious, like. Um... Uh, like the audio situation, like are they just going to kind of have like the normal speakers for like a giant concert and then we're just going to kind of have to roll down our windows, which would be weird because like I don't know how far apart the cars are going to be or are we going to have to do like drive-in style where we tune into like an AM station um, or maybe like have to go to like a link and like, you know, Bluetooth it. Like I'm just so curious. Like I, <laughs> I, I literally don't know anything other than I'm going, which is like, like in like in two weeks, July 10th, it's on a Friday. I, I'm going to this drive this drive-in concert thing so like it, it, it sounds crazy but i'm hoping it's fun it'll be pretty wild you'll have to you'll have to take some pictures <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll 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 do my best and yeah and like it, it's so weird because like um i i know that like ticket price it was like um like per vehicle um you know whatever there was like you know like x amount of dollars mm. um but like i don't know like is it, i 
wonder if it was like first come first serve to get like you know good positioning because i don't even know um how that's gonna work or because like i just imagine being a shit show just trying to get us get everybody in um yeah yeah but it, it, it's general admission you know people are gonna try and move up to different slots you know some uh, somebody moves you can move your car up there right like i have no idea yeah i'm i'm imagining there's gonna be like people like freaking out you know because they're gonna try to break the rules and they're gonna get like you know told and there's gonna be like this weird public freak out that i'm definitely looking forward to have you uh have you watched any of the uh live a lot of the podcast events of uh sos like uh no just like you know like the code orange thing have you watched any of those oh, dude okay so i so i i go to coachella fest um every now and then because uh my, mm-hmm. my my buddy nate um who i do my mma podcast with um he gets me in so um, he, he's an awesome guy like a really good friend of mine and um like I'll, I'll hit him up and go with him like if there's like bands i really want to see like i went uh last year and we saw like turnstile and like turnover which i thought was like awesome and i was definitely going this year because i was really looking forward to seeing code orange because i love that band and i was like all right cool They're, they made it to coachella bigger stage and i knew that um their production was going to be you know something special so I, it was something i was really looking forward to and when like you know it got canceled or whatever then they announced that they were doing this live stream i was like okay i was like that's something that i have to tune in for because i know that's what um i was going to experience at coachella um and I, I tuned in and like you know and then just seeing you know they got a drummer um uh you know uh, jamie switched to vocals like for just full full-time vocals which that was cool and then uh yeah i, I watched it. I thought, that was awesome like i feel like it, that kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes to um what people can do when it comes to like performances and um i, I know there's been um, bands who've done live streams after that and i i think they just um kind of open a lot of people's eyes and kind of like pave the way so so my wife is a big newfound glory fan oh me too and that and they uh, recently had the live stream. Did you watch that? No. What? I, now I don't feel like a yeah. fan because I didn't know about this live stream. Well, well, the thing is, it was paid live stream. What? I forget what the price. Yeah, it was a paid thing. So, and they played for like, I don't know, like two hours or something, maybe even more. Okay. It was on like for a long time. But I was I was actually surprised for something you had to pay for and um that the production quality like i felt like sunny's production of that code orange set was like heads and tails above this other you know this newfound glory production it was really they were just like there was like it was a fixed on like front camera Mm -hmm. for like a majority of it and then they'd flip over to like one you know one person like for a few seconds and then come back to this. And then it was really, I thought it was extremely odd. You know, again, they're, they're probably not more of a, you know, part of code orange's aesthetic is that they have this big visual mm-hmm. thing to them. And I don't think newfound glory has that exact same thing. So to me, it seemed kind of odd as like, it, it looks like you were just like, they're in their practice space practicing and you somehow just got invited. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I feel like, um, like it, it sucks that there's not you know uh, sh- the option for bands to to do live performances, but I don't think every band should be doing live streams. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about this new Glory stream. I'm gonna go find it, 
um, maybe I'll pay for it depending on the price. Cause that sounds crazy to me that, um, that, that they didn't put a whole lot into it, but like being like a long time newfound glory fan. Um, I don't know if like, that's just not their thing, but like, I've never really seen them with any kind of crazy production. Maybe like they'll have like, you know, some scrim up, um, like a backdrop. Um, but like, I've never seen anything too crazy. So like, I don't know, maybe they just didn't want to do it, but, but I feel like they have like such a strong fan base and they're so popular that like they could have done just a live stream and then just sold their merch. But I don't know who knows. I don't really know their financials or maybe it was like a record label thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was bizarre. I thought, I mean, like you said, but they, and here's, here's the, uh, the other thing is that they weren't like doing any of merch sales or anything like as opposed to Code Orange fuses for a rollout of their album. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this is almost because they have a new album out, right? Newfound Glory. Yeah, so this yeah, was kind of dropped on, but on you, last week. You figured there would have been like all these, packages or exclusive things for the live stream and there wasn't so that's why i said it, it's weird it's almost like it's almost like they felt obligated to do it but they didn't put in the, the production side and you know the merch side and all this other thing to make it happen like okay i guess because because we're releasing an album we have to do this um but they they played a lot of songs they took like an intermission in the middle because it was so long okay. that they took a q a thing like in the middle and then started back up again okay i'm, I'm definitely interested because it's been um so i skipped the last tour if it happened i can't remember because they, they came out with the um you know the the cover record and that was probably my least favorite of the three so that tour is coming through and i was like you know what like tour package in my opinion was weak the record wasn't that great so i was like i'm not gonna go but i saw them on the tour before that and it was amazing like, and it was like a last minute thing because like I was like across town um, at a hardcore show. And then my buddy um, Andy hit me up and was like, yo, like, do you want to come see Newfound Glory? Because I know you're a fan. And I, I, I went from program in Fullerton and then I drove to the House of Blues in Anaheim and caught like Newfound Glory set. And it was perfect. They they played like a bunch of like that's just an, an amazing set. But yeah, that, that's just really strange to me because like I, I obviously I know that. Um, they had like the target exclusive for their CD. It came with like, um, you know, uh, temporary tattoos and they mm-hmm. didn't, um, which I think they did a special like uh, vinyl, um, special colorway for like urban outfitters. Um, but that is strange that they did a live stream, but didn't really have anything special. Cause I feel like that's like a wasted opportunity, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, it's, but yeah, but then I wonder like who's who, who on their team just didn't think about that. Cause it's just I, I feel like in the, this like social media age, it, it's just so easy. Like, hey, we just put a new record. We can't tour, but we're going to get to you this way. But here's like a whole spread for you guys to to pick from. Yeah, that's crazy. But did you see um, I, I really enjoyed um, Year of the Knife. They did one, which I thought was. Like, oh, yeah, no, that was good, too. I saw that. Yeah, but I but they left me wanting more because they just, you know, did the set and they just walked out. They didn't say like good night or anything. And I was like, wait, say something. But it, it, but it was pretty awesome. I, I, I love the way it sounded, um, but, but it was awesome. But, you know, but again, Code Orange and then Year of the Night, but you know, you know who was there, Sonny. So he always just does an awesome job. Yeah, no, I was, like I said, I don't think I can, he set the bar so high. It's hard to, it's funny that there's these people that have like real production things and they, they're just, 
they're somehow not in tune with trying to get the vibe of the band. Yeah, they're, and, uh, they're probably like, all right, yeah, we can set up one camera. Nobody wants yeah. to see any other angle. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes I just feel like, yeah, like, like, like you have everything there, but you just, you know, you just missed. It's weird. Yeah. If, um, like, are, are, are you a fan of these, like, live sets? Do you want to see bands do more? Or do you want everybody just kind of, like, hold off until it, it's time to do it live? Well, I think it, it depends on, like you were saying before, I think it depends on the band, you know? Like, mm -hmm. again, Code Orange is a much visual, much more visual band. Like, I'm thinking, like, Vane could probably get off with that, too, you know, because okay. they're much more of a visual kind of band. But there are some bands where it, the whole total experience is a live experience and if you saw them just in a room playing you'd be like yeah <laughs> yeah because you'd be like you know what i'm gonna go to hate five six on youtube vimeo or his actual website and see a better set because it's gonna have the crowd the the raw the, the real emotion but then when it's just like yeah when it's just them they're just kind of doing it something like, like i said not every band can pull it off yeah no. but i feel like if, if you're one of those bands that uh, you know, um, do better with a crowd. I feel like you, you got to come with something a little special, like like figure it out, get like you know some uh, production in there with these live streams. Uh, you know, get a team, get some artwork made because because it's not that hard. Like obviously, it, it takes time and you know pay people or do it yourself to to create this stuff. But like you got to have a little something extra to make these like live streams more like just a little more special. They, they don't have to go code orange level because like code orange is like you know, that's you know that's the top that's you know super high production quality and all that stuff was made for like you know like 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 a crazy big festival that they're gonna do um so it's just like you don't even have to get that high but just something give us something special instead of like um you guys just there if you're not that or entertaining, if, just, if you do keep it brief you know like that like you said that year of a night set was very good because it was very brief you know what i mean mm -hmm. and maybe that's just like the the hardcore person in me because again with this newfound glory set i was like are they still playing i can't watch two hours of band anywhere okay. you know what i mean live or not live i can't sit and watch two hours of one band it just at some point it just starts trailing off for me yeah because sometimes you just get bored because you're like yeah you, you like you, i feel like like you're like you have like this meter of like excitement and it kind of builds and you're just kind of like, okay, like I'm done. Like I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. Unless you're dancing in your living room. I don't think there's a, yeah, there's a whole part of the interaction of going to a concert that is missed with a, a live stream. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even like when I watch, like, um, cause I, I like follow streamers on like Twitch and like YouTube and stuff. And even watching them play, and do their streams live like i'll tune in for like maybe like maybe at most like a half an hour just because like i'm more into their personality than like mm. actually like you know their gameplay as much uh so yeah like i can only take so much and then i get bored and like want to do something else cool yeah but honestly <laughs> i'm so curious yeah like after we're done here i'm gonna go research this newfound glory <laughs> set and i'm gonna figure it out like what the hell happened uh, but earlier you mentioned pat flynn mm. i remember um because uh, i've been to boston like a couple times but i, I remember this uh, i was there for edge day i forgot what year it was um 
uh, Violence to Fade was playing. It was Regulate. Uh, maybe it was like, I want to say maybe 2017, 2018. I can't remember. But um, but, but I remember like, I, I showed up and I uh, it was like downstairs at the, the Hardcore Stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing Pat Flynn, and like I was there with, with my buddy Tim from out here, and then um, we met up with uh, Keith Freeman. He, he's a good friend of mine. Um, and I remember seeing Pat Flynn. And I was like, "Oh shit, it's Pat Flynn!" But then I was like, "I don't want to like freak out and like nerd out on him." And uh, somebody described it to me. They're like, "Oh, like that's normal out here. That'd be like you seeing Scott Vogel in California." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "That makes total sense. Cool." I'm like, "Glad you broke it down that way because I don't want to be like a weirdo." I'm trying to talk to Pat Flynn. No, no, yeah, he's he's generally at most of the shows I go to, so mm-hmm. whether he's playing or not, so. And you have a pretty long history with Have Heart. Well, like I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you were at that uh, those early Sound and Furies. Can you talk about um, how you met those guys? Um, jeez, so long ago now. Um. I don't know. I think uh, I think most of them approached me again. There were there was a time at which I was the only person taking um, photographs at shows. Um, I think the first time I saw them, I didn't even take pictures of them. It was one of my friends. They played basically my friend's birthday party. Oh wow! He had like a show in Rhode Island, and they played. Um, but no, they they've always been friendly, and I and uh, I noticed right on earlier that they were going to be a band that people were going to like. You know, they did a lot of uh, just jumping on people's sets and playing like two or three songs. That's they really, in the, especially in the early days, they really kind of grinded and played anything that they could possibly play. Yeah, and that's awesome that you're able to kind of. Uh, see in, see that in them early on because you look at them now and they're like one of the most impactful bands in hardcore ever. More people attended their uh, reunion show than the Trump rally, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, holy shit, you know, okay. When um, <laughs> when those reunion shows uh, got announced, like I, I saw that the one was like scheduled to be like outdoors, but I didn't know it was going to be like at that capacity. So I remember just being on uh, Twitter and Instagram that day and seeing people posting like videos and pictures. And I was like, holy shit, there's so many people at this show. This is insane because like I had no idea that that outdoor area was going to be that big and hold that many people. No, neither did I. I think that was like really kind of the first um, experience of them trying to do that out there. And it it was funny because again the the first show sold out in like two seconds, so then they were trying to figure out what to do for a second show, and then it just like ended up being this parking lot where they could sell up to ten thousand tickets. You know what I mean? So it, the second show never sold out because it was there's really no capacity. It was so infinite, and it's yeah. like you know you really don't have to worry about. Um, egress or anything when somebody's outside you know you don't have to worry about getting out of a building safely or anything because it just it uh just you just walk walk right out into the street um but it was it was still funny though because i don't know how much you know about it but like literally 15 20 minutes after they played 
it was like the worst torrential downpour I've ever seen. Like they had to end at that certain time or what it was going to be a washout. Yeah. I heard that there um, were talks that the, um, that there might've been rain like earlier in the day. So like the show could have been like straight up just canceled. Yeah. And, and I, I remember, it, go ahead. It was like, it was like rain and lightning. It was like, it's like a storm like you've never seen. Literally, like 15, 20 minutes after they finished playing. Yeah, because I, I remember asking those questions like, what if the rain hit earlier? Like, what do you do? Because, like, you can't reschedule or find another venue like, yeah. on, on the fly. So it's like that whole thing just has to get scrapped. And then, like, I was thinking, like, logistically, just trying to get people their, their money back. Like, that would be a nightmare. But I'm glad yeah. that didn't happen. I'm glad they were able to you know, to have the show play out and avoid the rain. Yeah, it was wild. And it was so funny because uh, the reason they couldn't have it indoors for the second day is because Static X was playing there. And it's funny because the, the street was lined with their buses and you could see the, them come out and be like, what is going on in this parking lot? And they had no idea, like, what was going on. Yeah. And there, here they are, probably a bigger band in theory. And just being like, what is going on in this parking lot? Why are there 10,000 people out here yeah. watching a band? That's insane. And like, I, I think back um, and, and like, or even like right now, I'm just like, I don't even know if there's a band in hardcore that could pull off what they did that day. Yeah. I mean, that's a surprise to a lot of people. I, I I'm even surprised, you know I mean? I, I knew they were influential, but again, who knows what happens over time, you know, especially, you know, 10 years of people hearing about them, but never seeing them and that building up. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it would be tough for anybody to kind of pull that off yeah. again. What maybe, yeah. What, what could top that minor threat maybe, but that will never happen. Right. Or no. Well, maybe some, some band some band that has not been around in a long long time that was hugely influential but again i think i think they picked the right time right because 10 years you still haven't lost some of your core base but you have the other people like if you if this was like 20 years from now who knows how big it goes over because you might be losing some of your core base fans you know yeah they might not even be around like no and then you just have curiosity on the other side yeah i i don't feel like they you know like did it perfectly because uh you're right the the people who were active in the scene at the time um, whether it be you know the younger kids or the kids who've been around for for a while um 10 years like a lot of people are still around yeah like you know there's people who kind of whatever um dropped out or grew up or whatever you want to say um but the majority of people who were around that time you know still show up and were able to put on the kids that came after um you know 2009 and you think about that build up and because their music still holds up and yeah th that like period of them being absent they had a chance to grow a whole new crop of kids. So, you know, you had that on top of the already exist existing fan base. It was just the perfect recipe. And that's why those shows went over so well, because obviously the music and the message is um, super awesome. 
but just the fact that there's this whole new generation of kids that didn't get to see them and the already existing generation who've been dying to see them again. So I, I feel like um, they just did it perfect. Like, I feel like what they did as a band, more bands should kind of like look at and try to model themselves after what they did because that band is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize sometimes that they didn't, they toured more than lots of bands ever. They went and touched like every part of every country or that they could possibly get, you know, a hold of. And not not a lot of bands do that, you know? Yeah. And it, you seen that video of them playing in Africa? I'm like, dude, that's insane. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Who, they, who, who goes they to Africa? They literally went for it. You know, they went and said, well, we're going to just go all over, go every place we could possibly go and do that. I mean, and that's kind of, that's the, the, they're reaping the benefits on that tenure. It's like the fact that they went so far and did so many things. Yeah. I, and like, you know, I found out about have heart because I used to go to shows and, um, there's this dude, he, his name's, uh, Joel. He, he's saying, or he sings for this band called dynasty from out here. And he would always wear have heart shirts. And like, at the time I was like, dude, dynasty is so sick. Like love this band. And I would always see him wearing half heart shirts. I'm like, man, what is half heart? So like, I, I had to like look it up. I'm like, oh shit, it's a band. And like, I was like, this this is awesome. I was like, I, I'm really like into this. So all because of like that dude wearing half heart shirts like consistently. And I was just curious. I, I like looked them up, and like that's how I found out about them. I probably got into them like around like 2004, 2005. Yeah, it's it's funny that the the year that I think they finally like hit. To every uh, hit on everybody's radar was that final year of positive numbers. Oh, where, that's where they, that's so they had, crazy. they had all this merch and they were like, they were just hoping that, that it would last the tour. Mm-hmm. And they played at that last positive numbers and sold out of everything that they had for the entire tour on that one show. Wild. So then that's what I knew. It was like, well, this is on now. Like, this is like, it clicked for everybody. It finally just clicked for everybody. Yeah. And that fest, um, I, I, I always have, or I always like to have people on from, you know, uh, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area. And, uh, oh, yeah. And like, whenever, like, I get a chance to, like, you know, have people bring up, like, positive numbers. It's always cool just to hear, like, the stories. Because, like, back then I was, like, way too young to even travel anywhere for a show. Like, I, I was just happy to have or happy to be able to get to go like an hour and a half uh, west to like, you know, LA or the Inland Empire to hit a show. But like, yeah, the, like I, I wish I could have traveled back then to go to Posse numbers. That, that would have been so insane. Yeah, it was, it was always a wild time because I mean, that was my first experience of like going to a fest and like the fest didn't end after the show did there were hotel pool parties, people shooting off fireworks. Like people would stay up like all night just doing like rambunctious, obnoxious stuff, hanging out in Wegmans until four in the morning and just like eating food in the store instead of leaving the store. It was just like, it was definitely, it had a, a, a complete vibe all its own where again, people, not only hung out at the show, but then they hung out after the show in large, large groups. Yeah. 
that's awesome. And that was like way before like even like social media was even really a thing. So it was probably like people were probably actually like excited to see each other because like they weren't like, oh, like I've seen his tweets all day. I don't really want to hang out with him, you know? Probably yeah, no, it was good. I mean, I, I met so many people at those because again, there wasn't too many fests. That was kind of like the one fest. So this is like the, you would come there to go see like bands that would never make it to your area. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, you'd see bands that never make it to your area. And then you would see people from all over the country. And that was, and you, it was uh, much more of a chill vibe, especially that last year where it was like, it was in a giant like soccer arena, like okay. a blow up tent soccer arena. So like, if you want to go over and, you know, see some bands, you could be on that end. And if you just want to hang out and chill with your friends on the other end, you could, and you could still kind of hear the music. And then people would bring in their record collections and sell them or t-shirt collections and try and sell them. And people, people would set up uh, tables to play cards. You know, people would gamble, you know, it's, it was, it was just like a, much more different than it felt more DIY than some of the modern things now where everything's kind of like, okay, here's this thing over here. And here's this thing over here. And Mm -hmm. it was, it came together in a much more organic kind of way. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like for me, um, like, and I didn't even go to this fest because like I, I, I like got laid off. Uh, this was like around like, like 2008, 2009. Do you remember that fest, the the Great American Hardcore Fest? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do. Yeah. So I, my friends and I saw the lineup and we're like, shit, we have to go. Unfortunately for me, I uh, got laid off. So I didn't have money because like my parents had gone to Mexico for the whole summer. And they're like, you have the house to yourself. Figure it out. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I have a job. I can make money, whatever. But like. I got laid off right before they left and I didn't tell them. So it's like, shit, I, I only have like X amount of dollars till they get back. And then I'll tell them, cause I don't want to like ruin their vacation and have them worry about me. So I was like, I can't fly across the country to go to this fest when I like really have no money. So like I had to like bail out and like live through like my friends, like vicariously. I was like texting them the whole time. Like, Hey, like, how's it going? And I feel like the, the, the coolest thing that I have from like the fest is like my buddy uh, bought me uh, like the first ever like fire and ice shirt. So, but did you go to that fest? I did. Dude. It's it's so funny too because the my wife was also a big uh, Wonder Years fan, and I go, mm-hmm. Wonder Years open that fest. <laughs> I always tell her that as my frame of reference. You know, Wonder Years open that fest. That's crazy because you look at them now; they're like such a huge band. They would like I don't even think. Yeah. Ever, do you think they'd ever do anything like that? Not open, but do you think they would ever play anything like that again? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Because you think what like what, what, like four years strong was on that and fireworks. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've watched the uh, saves the day set from this is hardcore last year. Oh, dude, uh, it was so awesome to see them wild. Being stoked on being <laughs> there and then seeing the crowd give them like like a I feel like a proper reaction. Yeah, it's I. I always watch that video and I go. You want to know what makes me smile about this video? It's all these guys, like head to toe tattoo, tough guy people that are just like singing their hearts out. And it's like every every closeted saves the day fan came out for that show. You know what I mean? It was just as like, see, 
people still like these songs even though they try and play it off like they don't <laughs> yeah so like I, I i'm curious um if like those kinds of bands like like would they be interested in playing like a giant hardcore fest because like because even like sound and fury back in the day like we had um like you know not we i, I had nothing to do with the fest but um uh, they booked like you know like uh tiger's jaw uh, we they yeah. booked, like man overboards played uh yeah so it's happened uh but i'm curious why it doesn't really happen that much anymore like yeah citizen uh played like the other year but like i, I don't feel like they're that kind of style like you know like pop punk or whatever i feel like pop punk and hardcore um like they used to like mingle a lot more back in the day but now i feel like it's just like way more separate yeah i think yeah i mean unless you've had like roots in it i don't think it you know i don't think it it plays off as well but if you have roots in it i i i would see i wouldn't see a reason why any of those bands wouldn't want to play a fest every once in a while yeah like yeah. a hardcore fest yeah and especially like they could reference that saves the day set and be like okay this is how it could go over for you if you know you guys show up because like you know because a lot of people still like that kind of music you know it's like a throwback and um you know even for me like i, I still listen to it. like obviously like i'm a huge new pound glory fan i still love the starting line so it's just like i feel like those kind of bands like could show up and pull over like you know like an amazing set yeah so you went to the great american hardcore fest uh, do you remember like what your favorite set was i, I know it was like you know over a decade ago but i'm, I'm just curious jeez oh, uh <laughs> so hard to tell <laughs> yeah because you've been to like i'm sure like, a ton of fests in between i think i i distinctly remember um the integrity set a lot because that was like before they started playing a lot of Okay. of extra sets you know what i mean so that was kind of like it was like a big deal a very, at that time it was a very kind of special like holy shit integrity is playing this um i don't know there was so many it's like one of the first times i saw power trip i think it was the last time i saw rotting out where walter wasn't fronting the band oh that was like when they had mike yeah that's a throwback okay so yeah there was a lot of a lot of interesting things, but man, now it kind of, that's so long ago, it gets muddled over uh, uh, yeah. all, the, all the stuff I've seen since then. Um, do you have like a, a like a set schedule, like when it comes to like the fest you want to travel to? Because I, I know I, I've seen you at Sand and Fury. I, I know you go to This Is Hardcore, but do you frequent any other fest? Um, no. Not, not really. Not, not with any degree of regularity. Um, again, I don't. Here's, here's kind of a thing. I kind of, I have my things, and I kind of don't want to take away. Again, if people are concerned about too many photographers being at shows and stuff, I don't want to take away an opportunity, especially from somebody who, who it's their own kind of their neighborhood. Their, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I like. Uh, I it's so funny because the stuff I've seen from that uh, life and death brigade uh, fest mm-hmm. is that kind of reminds me. I kind of want to go to that just because that kind of the vibe of that fest kind of reminds me of posse numbers a little bit. That's how it's just organically kind of came together in that area. It's in like a gym. It's very you know low key. Um, low key big, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. And I, but, I like th- th- that whole team over there has been working really hard over the past few years. Just kind of, I, I feel like, um, like it, it was like kind of like a categorized as like a regional fest. But I, I feel like now, like, you know, they have like such big bands that show up and play th- their fest that, like, you know, I don't think they can really say that anymore. Cause like so many people fly in just to go to that fest since it's, uh, you know, um, gotten so much like you know positive feedback from like yeah. you know people from like different parts of the country like over the years that like like it's just become like a like a bigger fest well yeah yeah i'd like to go but i i also again wouldn't want to evade invade somebody else's scene and say like well you should let me do this you know what i mean i'd rather mm-hmm. it happen more organically if that if they ever wanted me to come out and and shoot that fast or do anything with that fast well i'm always happy to see you at sand and fury like i don't know if you remember but it was after the one step closer set i like caught you when you're walking out and i was like yo. Uh, yeah i was like yo i was like i think you're the best photographer like thank you because like i don't think i'd ever even like um like try to introduce myself to you like until then but like, i i just was like stoked to see you like i don't know maybe it was just like just the high of like you know seeing one step closer for the first time and i thought like that set was amazing yeah. and then seeing you there i'm like holy oh i'm like that's awesome he's he's like you know captured i'm sure some awesome photos like i can't wait to see that but i was like yeah i, I have to go tell him something so i'll tell you what i don't like this two-stage setup <laughs> at all oh, especially no. trying to get out of that room is like a nightmare to get down to like the next band down there so it's like yeah that was very very tough situation there my only gripe about that venue is that yeah that in that quote-unquote intimate stage it, it, it's a nightmare to get in and out because yeah it's just a one normal doorway and you're talking about hundreds of people <laughs> trying to get in and out trying to you know get to where they want to be so i like i like definitely the trick is to cut out a couple songs before the set's over but it's like you know you want to catch the whole set so yeah definitely was a bit of a nightmare but obviously um you know this year was supposed to be in a different spot so like i i don't know if there was going to be multiple stages or if it was just gonna be one big stage so I'm definitely bummed that we don't get to like experience that, but hopefully next year we, we can see what it's going to be like. Yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like they were heading in for a very interesting vibe, being that close to the beach and stuff. And again, not making it like we're crowding everybody into this room for every band, but like saying that there's like, oh, you can go do this, you can go down the street and do this, and go down the street and do this, where you're not too far away, where you're going to miss the bands you want to see, but you can definitely not have to be in a room for the entire time. Yeah. Cause I don't care what anybody says that gets exhausting. Like seeing like a whole day of hardcore gets exhausting. Like I, I need a little break here and there and I, I have to like, you know, pick certain times. Like, all right, like I'm going to have to miss that band cause like I'm going to get hungry. I have to eat and just try to like, you know, make it enjoyable. Like, as enjoyable as possible because obviously you know it, it's long days like you're know, trying to give out that much energy jumping around you know having people jump on you and singing along moshing or whatever yeah it gets exhausting so um it's, it's yeah like, i think uh, go ahead i think i'm definitely over after shows yo, it's just too much every, it's just too much <laughs> it's too much to do every after time an entire day of show. Every, every time i, I tell myself fuck after shows i'm just going back to my apartment going to airbnb going home whatever but somehow it's just like all right like no like there's like a good band i want to see so like i'm just gonna go like it won't be that bad but every time it's like i'm just there i'm just like hating myself like why am i here i'm so tired like i'm just gonna see this band and leave and yeah like i've never walked out of an after show like super excited i'm just always like hating myself and just like way too tired (laughs) 
it was so funny. I think one year I, I Dan Raw took me to the hi hat for an after show. Okay. And I felt like we were driving for like an hour. I'm like, where the fuck is this venue? I'm like, I was like, we just kept driving and driving. And I was like getting more tired and more tired. I was like, where the hell is this place? I thought I was so far away from the other venue. I was just like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, there was a, there's a holiday show uh, for the children that happens every year. And one year there was a um, uh, like white trash Rob, uh, like Ramallah, they're going to do a blood for blood set after the fest, but the set wasn't going to start till like, I think like two in the morning. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, dude, two in the morning. That's the time I get up for work. I was like, I was like, there's no way I can make this set. And I, I was just trying to figure it out. I was like, I was like, I don't want to miss work. I don't want to like call in sick and make it a whole deal. Um, but then I was just like, dude, who the like who scheduled this? Who wants who's gonna start a set at two in the morning? I was just like so bummed that I, I didn't get to see it. Cause I, I've only seen Blood for Blood once, and that was like like 2013. And White Trash Rob wasn't even there. It was the guy from Biohazard. I don't remember that tour. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, so I was just like, damn it. And I was like, I'm never gonna see Blood for Blood with White Trash Rob. So I was just like, all right. I was like, I have to accept that. I was like, I'll I'll get over it, it's fine. But yeah, there's no way I was gonna make a 2 a.m. set. It's terrible. And it was like, yeah, I think it was in a bar. I'm like, who's who's out that late? I don't know. Maybe, I'm not into like going out and you know hanging out super late. I'm just like you know like hanging out at home or going to Disneyland. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, you you mentioned uh, earlier you're um you know from uh, you said the Miramac Valley. The Merrimack Valley, yeah. Yeah, so that's the MVHC. Do you remember like a long time ago, there's a dude from the real world who was like repping MVHC? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Late, night, late, late Night Wars? Yeah, did, did, you ever, yeah. did you ever see him around? Was it like a big deal for you guys to have somebody yeah. repping, repping your they, son on national TV? They actually had uh, MTV at one of the shows, like a, a full uh, you know, video rig there for a show and it was so funny because those people had no clue what they were going to getting themselves into they i don't think they even got any footage from it because they brought this huge camera in uh-huh. and the minute everybody started moving everything fogged up but it had like they had like the boom mic and all this other stuff and it, it was actually kind of hilarious yeah. <laughs> again that's so great because it was like and then there was all these people that like who who weren't didn't normally go to shows but you could tell they were like there to like see the guy from the real world there it was, <laughs> yeah. kinda, it was interesting it was that, interesting that's so funny yeah i i always thought that was, that was cool that um that he wore those shirts because like all right i was like that that's so cool that he's like repping his scene so hard especially on something like the real world like you know it, it's going to be seen like you know worldwide and people are probably gonna really have no idea what like those four letters meant you know it's so funny because if if you actually go back through the real world, there are, have been three people from Methuen really? on the real world, which I thought was bizarre. Of like a country where you can like pick people from all over the place. Like why? How could there possibly be three people in the span of this show that have been from Methuen, Massachusetts? It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah, and like, and I feel like for me growing up. Like, 
I always thought everybody on the show was like so much older. Cause like I, I watched it as like a teenager. So I was like, oh, I was like, I can't wait to grow up and like like audition to be on the real world. But then like kind of growing up and realizing like, oh, those people aren't that old. Those are just like, you know, like young adults like that don't really have like, you know, things figured out or they just yeah. They, like, yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, I could have easily like, like applied. But then like, obviously by the time I was like, like of age, I was like, yeah, it's like the last thing I want to do is be like, try to be on a reality TV show. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, but that's wild. But that's so funny. Yeah, I, I definitely had to ask because um, I don't think I've had anybody from your area on before. I'm trying to think. VHC. Yeah, no, I don't think I have. That's awesome. But is he still around? Did he drop out? I haven't seen him in forever. I mean, I've seen other du- dudes from that band, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen that particular dude. Damn. He got the oh, real wow. world fame and just dipped out. <laughs> we wasted his, his 10 minutes of fame that's so funny okay it, um hopefully somebody out there who's listening knows w- what happened to that guy and we'll figure it out we'll uh, uh provide an update hopefully in the future on, on what happened to that guy from that band who was on the real world that'd be awesome i hope somebody can drag him down yeah and i don't know like i'm, I'm trying to think of like w- like hardcore and like mainstream is always just so weird. Obviously, like I'm like me uh, being like a huge fan of hardcore. I always like think it's cool because I'm like, oh, cool. Like some, somehow, like you know, like there's like a weird spotlight on hardcore. Um, but like, it, it it's still funny how it, it manages to to stay underground, which I love because I don't know if I could uh, or how it would be if like hardcore became like like a mainstream genre of music. Mm. Well, just like a. It's so funny because, I mean, I grew up uh, with, like, tattoos, like, where, like, you know, either hardcore kids or, like, really sketchy people. Mm-hmm. And now now you see, like, people, like, everyday Joe guy has, like, full sleeve and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of, I, I bet if hardcore went into the mainstream that you kind of feel that same way, like, oh, okay, this this is kind of just co-opted by the major culture and there'll be some bad, really bad things and some really good things. But yeah, I, I feel like I was like right on the, like the cusp of like that happening when it comes to tattoos. Cause I, I remember I got my first tattoo and I hid it from my mom. Cause uh, she, she saw like yeah. the, the people that I hung out with, they were older, they all had tattoos and she always like warned me like, Oh, like be careful. Don't get tattoos. You're going to ruin your life. You're not gonna be able to find a job, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just wanted one so bad because I, I, I thought they were cool. Obviously, like, you know, I'm around, like, all my older friends who have them, and they all look cool. And it was something that that I, like, wanted to get. So I, I eventually got my first tattoo, and she eventually saw it, and she, like, freaked out. And she was like, oh, my God, your life's ruined. Like, that better be the last one you get because, like, if you get any, like, visible tattoos, like, you're not going to be able to find a job. But then now it's, like, you know, 2020, yeah, like you said, it's – like when you saw some of the tattoos you're like okay okay cool they might be in the same thing as i am but now it's just like no like that person with tattoos could you know be like the complete opposite of you uh yeah just don't know like i mean i know people that are making like you know a ton of money and they're in the public eye and they and they're not you know they're not in entertainment and they have like lots of tattoos and nobody cares anymore I mean, I think the generation that would care about that is like 
towards the end of like dying out you know what i mean and like now nobody's phased you know you know i would say like 20 even 20 30 years ago people if you had like a neck tattoo people would probably look at you a different way now people are just like oh you got a neck tattoo you know yeah that's weird sometimes people will start with a neck tattoo and i'm just like oh wow you're you're insane that's so crazy like your first tattoo is a neck tattoo like 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 your tattoo artist is a weirdo for even doing that but um yeah like now it's like yeah you, you would find that versus like yeah back then like you would never see anything like that yeah i mean some several people i know their first tattoos were hand tattoos and again like again <laughs> you're you're to me as a kid your first inclination is like all right how do i cover this up so my parents don't see this now it's just like go straight there <laughs> like dude just, i trip out like now like when i see like face tattoos like when i see like younger people with like face tattoos i'm like what are you doing like cause, oh yeah yeah can i be honest i've never seen the cool face tattoo yeah well i feel like i feel like you could have a good face tattoo but then it always manifests into having lots of face tattoos and then it looks kind of weird because you start like adding more to it if you had like one like tastefully done you know small tattoo yeah that's good but then all of a sudden it i feel like everybody i know who's who's done that well not everybody but a majority of the people they they're like, yeah, well, I've already got this thing. So why not get this huge thing and get this other thing and get this other thing. And then all of a sudden their whole face is covered and you're like, Oh, what about, um, do, you, do you remember back in the day that I, I think it was that girl, um, she got the bridge nine tattoo. Was it, it wasn't on her face or was it on her arm? I can't remember. Was it on her face or was it on her arm? I don't know. Okay. Oh, but okay. You have to know about earth crisis face. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, that's so intense. Like, can you, are you kidding me? That's so wild. I, I could never do anything like that. I'm not that daring. I know. Uh, I know somebody who has a um, MySpace tattoo. Where? That's probably about a foot long underneath his belly button. <laughs> I hope it has uh, their URL. <laughs> is it just MySpace, or is it their URL with it? No, it's just the MySpace logo. Oh wow, shout, dude! Shout out MySpace. I feel like MySpace <laughs> put me on to so much good music. I and I, I've definitely um, spoken about this before, but like being able to uh, jump from bands like top eights to like different top eights, and just being able to discover new music that way, it was always so fun. Because like it, yeah. it was always cool to see bands like putting like like their like friends like newer bands on their top eight just to kind of give them like a little exposure. I'm like, oh, that's so sick. Cause like, seriously, like there's, I, I found out about so many bands that way. So I guess the new thing is what the Spotify playlist, that's sort of the, the jump, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, so I've like, there's like the, the ones that are like curated for you daily and like, those are okay, but I feel like those are hit or miss. And then you can go down and like, look at similar artists, which is like the same thing to me. I'm just like, I don't like, sometimes I, I feel like, like it's kind of accurate, but but there's never been a time where I'm like, okay, this is like spot on. So like, I don't really know what the algorithm is. So it's funny. I used to, uh, I used to use the old, uh, Rev HQ website to have them recommend me stuff. Cause I, I would go to something I have and it said other people bought these things and I would go, mm-hmm. Ooh, and that's how I would find it out through is that 
that old uh, RevHQ website, I'd always like be like, okay, so I have this CD, and then I would see, oh, other people have bought this, this, and this. So I'm like, oh, we'll try that out. That's wild. Uh, were you always just like in, in anticipation when you like, because like you said CDs, like that, that's yeah. like, I, I don't I'm dating that. myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but obviously like, I, I'm familiar with that format, um, but that that's so crazy that um, you would order CDs. Like, but like, how was that? Just having to wait to get it in the mail. That's so crazy. Oh yeah. And I don't think you, I don't think you understand. RevHQ used to be the worst. It would take you three to four months to get anything that you ordered from them, and then it just show up in the mail, and you'd be like, "Oh shit, what is this?" Yeah. And yeah. it was that. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely bought a lot of things that I thought were going to be cool, and they were duds, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and then some things that I thought were great, but there was definitely uh, when you used to mail order, it was definitely like roulette you know you never knew what you're gonna get and sometimes again so if you would send money to somebody and they and they by the time the money got there they didn't have it they would you would always have to list this list of alternates and they would just if they didn't have the thing that you wanted they would just send you something else so sometimes you're just paying for stuff that you didn't even want yeah that's crazy sometimes the guy would be like oh not only we didn't have the thing you wanted, but we didn't even have your alternate. So I just based on what you had chosen for that, I just sent you this. <laughs> you just sent me something completely random. And sometimes it sometimes it was sometimes it was good and sometimes it was a miss. That's, that's, that's kind of the risk you took. Yeah. I, I by the time I was like, you know, into hardcore and wanting to get merch from places, like online ordering was already a thing. So this is like the early two thousands. So I, I never really had to deal with anything like that. But that's crazy. I, I'd be so mad if I had to wait so long and then uh, just get something that I completely hated or just didn't enjoy. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. It's like, that wasn't even worth the trouble. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> but huh. did you see they um, signed a new band today? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw Dare. Yeah, shout for out. them. I think that fits their vibe of their label and the vibe of California. I think it's, I think that's a good deal for them. Yeah, I, I was actually, I'm pretty stoked to to, to see them get signed because I'm, I'm friends with some of those guys in that band, and uh, I'm happy that it worked out and they're able to, you know, get signed to to Rev. I think it is a good fit, and I, I'm stoked to see them on there because uh, I I know that they you know signed Drain like not too long ago, and I love that fit. Love love drain so i i'm, I'm stoked to see them getting some some younger bands and i'm um, hopefully you know be able to put on for them and do good things well i think and it's also good that they're keeping it i, I like the fact that they're keeping it very california because it's mm-hmm. like rev is to me is the california label and they're again they should be putting out the bands in their area it, it seems odd sometimes when you know california labels put out east coast bands or vice versa you know when when those things get mixed up it seems kind of odd to me so i like the fact that it's very much centric to to its region yeah like, uh, uh i don't know if you remember rivalry records i do but again i always thought of that was like strictly like the west coast label again they had like verse they had like one 
band that kind of was outside of that, but most of it was very centered towards the West Coast. And I thought that was great because it kind of had a vibe all its own. Yeah, and I, I feel like it it shows um, unity. And then even like logistically, like I, I know like, you know, the like they could just drive if, if there's ever like an issue or something they wanted to get done. Like Rev's like right down the road for Dare and just just like, hey, yeah. And, you know, not have to, um, you know, try to get on a call or email or whatever and be like, all right, cool. Like, l- let me ship this out to you. It's going to take like a week or two and hopefully everything's right. So, yes, yeah, sometimes like um, like I do get confused when I do see bands signed to certain labels because I'm like, part of me is like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but but I do like those signings. And so I'm, I'm definitely stoked for them and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the future. When we finally get back to shows in uh, 2021. Yeah, you know, uh, 2021. Oh my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Um, we're just going to have to have the like no shows and then 2021 comes and it's just like, it's so weird. And that's even if, who knows, we're going to, will we even survive? I watched this uh, Korean zombie film the other day and I was like, you know what? They went down so fast. Like they all woke up that day and um, uh, it was called like train to Busan or something like that on, on Netflix. And um, yeah, there's like a zombie outbreak and like every city just got taken down like within like, like half the day. So I'm like, you know what? I was like, hopefully we make it to 2021. Uh, you know, this virus could just randomly mutate and we all turn to zombies and that's it. Yeah, who knows? I mean, this is, I mean, like, so I've been, I've been consistently going to 50 plus shows a year since 1995. And this will be the one year I don't hit 50 shows. So it's definitely uh, unprecedented. Yeah. To say. Yeah. And, and I, I was sure about too, because um, this is like one of those rare things where like we're all experiencing it at the same time. Cause like, yeah, like we all go to shows. Yeah. We all listen to like new records or whatever, but like not as a whole. Cause like, you know, not everybody likes the same band. Not everybody goes to the same shows, but right, right. now shows are gone for everybody. Like all of hardcore, like minus that one secret show that happened in uh, Pennsylvania. But other than that, <laughs> there's no shows. So it's like, we're all going through this one weird thing all at the same time. So we all kind of know how like, like all each other, like, you know, feels and yeah, hopefully we can get back to doing it again. And I'm definitely really curious and wanting to get back to it. Cause yeah, this is just strange. This is, yeah. Like I've been going to shows since 2002. So not going to shows like, you know, what it's been since March. So that's like about like almost like five months it's, or not five months. That's like four months. What am I doing? Yeah, so it's like yeah, four months. It's like this weird stretch, just nothing, like not even an option to go. It, it, it's just so strange. Yeah, right. Because it's like it's not like you're choosing not to go to a show. Like ah, oh, well, yeah, I'll go see them some other time. But it's just there's not even an, an option out there. It's just gonna be a, a void for a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, curious. You did that uh, that zine. Um, for Santa mm-hmm. Fury 2018, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Like honestly, like when when I bought it, I didn't even know it was going to be like a like same size as like a record. So like when I got it in the mail, I was like, oh, this is so sick. And I remember going through it. I was like, this is like really awesome. I was curious that you didn't do that for 2019. Well, I don't know. It's it, again, like you said, it's it's very hard to convey the size of this thing. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it was definitely not cheap to do. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> whereas uh, I think I'm probably broken even right now. Um, I don't know if I do it again. It's just it's just too expensive to make. You know, if I had some cheaper way to make it, yeah. But it, other than that, it's just it was something I've always wanted to do. I was like, I just want to make a zine that's like an LP size. So every photo is like huge. Um, but yeah, currently I don't have any plans to just because it's not really kind of feasible to do it. Oh man, so I feel like you know, 2019 was just such like a, like, you know, that was like the years. It's like such a big event. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you broke even on 2018 at least. Like at least you didn't lose money on it. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's, it's, it's expensive. uh I, I, I think you've noticed that LP prices have creeped up and up and up and up the last few years. And, there is a reason for that. It, there really still isn't that much of a a profit margin on all of those things. So, yeah, I remember back when you could get a T-shirt for ten bucks, but now it's like good luck, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's that's my biggest fear of this uh, pandemic nonsense is that it'll cause some serious inflation and everything everything will start costing a lot more. I mean, I feel like food already costs a lot more than it normally used to. And now everything else is probably going to fall suit with that. So, yeah, that's why we got to invest in Bitcoin. (laughs) We're we're all not making any more money. (laughs) That's the problem. The, the U S dollars is going to go to shit. And then we're all going to go to cryptocurrency and then we're going to get implanted with chips and everybody who had Bitcoin before the pandemic is now controlling the world. There you go. <laughs> so I mean, but it's so funny because uh, I often joke about um, money in general mm-hmm. because, you know, the U.S. has like massive debt. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like. But I, it's like, but it's like, who's ever going to co collect that? Who's, who's going to come collect that? If anybody tries to come collect that, we're just going to like throw missiles at them if they try and collect the money from us. So, so it's like, it's almost like imaginary debt because who is ever going to collect that money? Right. Who's going to be like, Hey, you know, these, uh, $10 trillion you owe us. Uh, when are you going to, when are you going to pay us for that? <laughs> I don't think there's anybody, especially when you have like a military kind of society, you know, it's like, who's ever going to collect that money. So it's almost, it might as well be makeshift. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally agree because I I feel like as long as I've been alive, we've been in debt. Like, like I've always been hearing about this debt. The U S is in debt, blah, blah, blah. And you know, trillions. And you know, now it's just like, okay, we just, printed trillions because of the yeah, pandemic exactly where did that come from who's, who, who's gonna cover that cost so it's just like okay um i you know that's why I, that's why i'm i'm not against cryptocurrency i'm, I'm like interested in it I, I don't own any yeah. um but i i'm definitely interested in seeing how that will play out because um like we've seen it you know uh spike in price and you know plummet uh but like you know paypal's like getting into it now and like I'm really curious to see like where we're gonna go with all this. Yeah, it's interesting because again, 
money is only as good as the person who's going to collect it, right? Like, I it was so funny. Maybe I've just been watching too many conspiracy theory things. So I was watching something recently about Fort Knox and about how all that nobody nobody's ever been in Fort Knox, so they don't know if all the gold that we're supposed to have is actually in there. Mm-hmm. And even if all the gold is in there, we might have already given it to somebody but that we're just holding it for them like they technically own the rights to that money but we're just holding it for them as like a piggy bank so it's money shit is bizarre yeah (laughs) yeah it's interesting yeah and like like even like my head like starts to hurt when i think about like stock market and like why like why is that so important yeah it's like um i I, think I was listening to Joe Rogan and John Stewart, and they're talking about how the stock the stock market is like the temperature for like the U.S. and like people are so concerned about it. And I, I wish like I was way more knowledgeable and wonder and you know would know why it's so important and like how it would like you know like like rise so high during the pandemic when like nobody's like working because there's so many people on unemployment and all these checks are getting handed out. This is so strange. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a the record collecting market, right? Like, if there's some like limited record and there's only a hundred of them, but I go and buy fifty of them, I can control that market of that record, you know, because there's only going to be fifty other people out there, and if there like a thousand people that want that record, then of course that's going to drive up mm-hmm. whatever because I'm sitting on it. But you posted on your Instagram a while back. Um, you have that uh, have heart test press and you, you signed your name at the top of the list. Yep. Do you still own that record? I still own that record. You still own that record. I have, no re- I have no reason to get rid of any of my records. Okay. <laughs> at this point, yeah. luckily, I'm lucky that I, I still have a job, so I don't really need to so offload any of my records. So how much Bitcoin would you get rid of that record for? <laughs> somebody come with comes at you with, with a bitcoin offer to to add their name to that list i mean how much is i would say only one bitcoin right what's one bitcoin is that or is that too much i think hold on let me look up the, the person I'm, I'm gonna look it up right now and, and, i feel like one bitcoin is like a ton of money right now okay right now um at the recording of this podcast one bitcoin is worth nine thousand two hundred and five dollars yeah. and 89 cents okay so i i wouldn't even be close to one bitcoin i would oh so y- you wouldn't take one bitcoin for that record no no i'd take less than oh like a fraction of a bitcoin at this point <laughs> okay all right well you you heard it here you, you want to have heart test bros and you got bitcoin one sixteenth of a bitcoin would probably suffice for it okay that that's funny okay and I'm not a record collector, but I'm curious that do you have like an extensive collection? Like obviously you've been involved in hardcore for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, not too much. I'm not really uh, a huge record collector, but I, I just have stuff that people have given me or stuff that uh, I wanted to get. Cause I thought the layout was cool. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I don't like, I, I own some records. Like I love fury. So like I have like every fury record on vinyl. I'm like a Halsey fan. She's like a pop singer. I have like her records on vinyl and I have some like American nightmare and like blood for blood. And like, that's about it. So I would say probably my biggest hardcore record collection is, uh, I have every earth crisis record. 
Oh, okay. I have a first press of every Earth Crisis record. Wow, that's wild. And was that stuff you just kind of got like like as they came out, or like did you have to like go hunt for that stuff? Um, with the exception of like one seven inch, I think all of the stuff I just acquired um, when it came out. So that's awesome. But uh, my biggest record collection I have is actually of a eighties hair metal band. I don't know if you've heard of rat. No. R A T T. A T. Okay. R A T T. R A T T. I have over 90 records from them. 90 records. That's <laughs> so like, obviously like different, like variations of the same record. Um, they all have a unique cover to them. That's insane. That's a lot of records. Where do you even store that kind of stuff? Cause like I collect comic books and like, I have like thousands of comic they're, books. They're plastered all over my house. Okay. Like I have them all framed. Oh. I even have I even have um platinum awards and double platinum awards that I've bought off of people who since deceased and so I have some I have some really obscure Oh, so you're like a records. fan. Yeah. I got some that's my that's my secret collection is I definitely have like some some obscure stuff. I'll have to send you some pictures that like cuz they have they have shaped vinyl. They have a couple shaped vinyl records too. Mm-hmm. There, there's just some wild stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely down to see that stuff because I'm I'm really curious. I I, I love when people, um, you know, really get into like whatever they're into and you know get obscure stuff like that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, Todd, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Like this has no been problem. It's cool. Yeah, this has been awesome because yeah. like obviously. I, I've been, um, I, I, you know, been asking you to come on for for a long time, and I'm happy that we we're finally able to do this. Like, like, I'm not gonna lie, like right here, like, like my monitor's in front of me, but like at, at the base of my monitor, I, I've had this note here, and I was like, I'm not gonna re- remove this note, the one you sent me when I ordered um, <laughs> your merch. I was like, I, I'm not gonna, yeah. not gonna get rid of this note until I get Todd on the podcast. So I'm actually stoked that we were finally able to to, to get this done. Yeah. Cool. But before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Not much. Just uh, watch that last Bane show footage if you haven't already because it's sick. And uh, donate some money to, if you got extra money, donate it to one of the half a million things going on in this country that need money. Um, Because it's important. This is... uh, it's a really wild time. I know it's hard for people to focus sometimes on what, what they should do and where they should be putting their money. And I just say, if it feels right, you should just do it. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast. Always on time.